Hi there. Thanks for tuning in to the Res Life Big Rapids podcast. We're glad you found us, and we hope this message helps shape you into something that looks like Christ. Now let's listen in. You know, the Apostle Paul says to live is Christ and to die is gain. And it's pretty cool to hear somebody have that kind of testimony where they say, hey, if I live, it's, it's going to be because of God and I'm going to trust him. And if I die, it's gain because I get to be with the Father, right? And so that, that's a pretty strong statement. Not to mention, he mentioned he had, uh, I'm going to say it wrong, Guillain-Barre syndrome. And, uh, and that is, we've had a, actually more than one church member who've, who's had that over the years. And that is completely debilitating. It, it, it just, um, actually some of the family members of those people are here. It's something where your brain works and you, you can function mentally, like know what's going on, but you are paralyzed. And it's, it's very scary. Um, and, and it can be, it's very life-threatening and things like that. So anyway, uh, pretty cool testimony. So if you see him around, say, hey, say thanks for sharing your testimony, all right? Um, so speaking of life and death, anybody get a deer this weekend? <laughs> Awesome, me too. Good job. You, uh, the three of us. Cool. All right. <laughs> As we're leading into Christmas this year, uh, I'm excited to dive into uh, a, a couple week teaching here on, on something that I've wanted to teach on for a whole year. About a year ago, uh, one of our pastors gave me a book because I was d- digging into Jewish culture and the understanding of of how the Jews view Jesus and the world. And so I got this book called Understanding Jesus. Everybody say, Understanding Jesus. I'd say the book is in the bookstore, but it's not because we don't even have a bookstore right now. It's full of all the kids' stuff, okay? <laughs> but uh, but we, will, we will get this book in the bookstore uh, in, in the coming weeks, and I think it'd be one that, that would be worth it for you. But as I was reading this book and studying out Jewish culture and their understanding of Jesus, it just it, it, it helped to build my faith, okay? What do I mean by that? It, it, it helped me to understand Jesus in a way that I didn't before. It helped me to go, okay, so here's the things that the Old Testament said that the Messiah would do, and here's how Jesus fulfilled those things. How many people know that in the Bible it talks about a bunch of different feasts and things like that? Okay, did you know that everything that Jesus did corresponded directly and specifically with each one of the feasts, the way that the Old Testament happened? Okay, and the way that the Old Testament laid everything out that Jesus, Jesus would, he fulfilled everything to a T in this book in a really easy way, lays all this out, and especially if you have the word with you right there. And so, so I would recommend it. There's so many things that Jesus did to prove that he's the Messiah. Everybody say Messiah. Okay, so... Uh, so this is what I want to talk about. I want to talk about how, how even the Jews, even though they don't believe, and we'll explain that here, that Jesus is the Messiah, I want, I want to point out how they should believe that Jesus is the Messiah, and they, all, and they know it, but, uh, but they, they don't believe it. So, uh, so the one main way, so the question is, how back then would they have identified the Messiah? Because they needed some way to be able to say, hey, this is the guy. And, and remember, the Old Testament talks about how, uh, how the Savior would come, the Messiah would come, and he would save God's people. And they were, they were oppressed. They felt like they were trapped by, by a foreign government. They, they had been waiting and waiting and waiting for this Savior to set them free. And in their minds, this Savior was going to set them free culturally, religionally, and, and politically. Uh, religiously, not religionally, but I like that. Uh, it was good. It's good. You write that one down. Uh, and so, so they're they're waiting for this guy and they're looking for him. And so the 
the rabbis or the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, the religious leaders of those days, if you hear any of those three words, just know they're religious leaders, okay? They would, uh, they would minister to people like pastors today. They would, you know, people would come to the temple and they'd do their sacrifices and things like this. And these people would be like the pastors. And they, uh, they would, you know, ask the Lord to heal people or do this and that and stuff like that. And God would do things just like God does today, okay? But there were four miracles that none of them could do. They had, over the, over the years, over the thousand years or whatever, they had found that there were four miracles that they could not perform. And so they came to the, the deciding factor that through the Word and, and the Old Testament and what it said and everything they had experienced, that only the Messiah would be able to fulfill these four miracles. And Jesus completes all four. Okay. And so I want to talk about the four miracles today. And I want, I want to get, actually get started on the first of the four. We're going to take four weeks to do this, one each week. Ha, that's easy. And, uh, and it's going to lead us right into our Christmas services. How many know that Christmas is that close? Have you done your Christmas shopping? Okay, me neither. So let's pray and let's get into it. Father, thank you so much for every person that's here. God, I thank you that, that we get to spend this day together. And God, uh, we just pray that today as we get in your word, that this, uh, this teaching, Lord, about who Jesus uh, was and is and what he did to prove that he's your son and that he is the Messiah, God, that it helps to build our faith, helps us to understand you in a greater way, and, and helps us to be able to go out and proclaim that Jesus is who he said he was and, and who he is in our lives. God, give us ears that hear, hearts that understand, and in minds that desire to live like you and to live for you. And we just thank you for this all in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. amen. So I'd like to point something out before I get into it today. Um, this series is going to be a little different than the series we've done in the recent past. And what do I mean by that? One of the things, one of my rules of thumb from the beginning when I became the pastor is I want people to leave here going, I understand that and I can do that. Okay, these being more informational about who Jesus is are not as much application. It's not like, hey, I can go apply this to my life and, and, and change. Uh, but, but instead, my hope here is that as you gain understanding about who Jesus is and why he did what he did, it will help solidify your faith and help you to be more confident in your trusting in, in who Jesus is and that he's the Savior of your life, okay? All right, so it's just a little bit different. I, got, I, I don't think anybody said okay back to me. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, so as far as these miracles go, Jesus himself declares that he's going to complete them all. Okay, The Pharisees, uh, at one point they're there, which are the, the religious leaders that, that were following Jesus. By the way, they weren't bad guys. Everybody says they're bad guys. They weren't bad guys till the end, okay? They were good guys. They were people who were looking for the Messiah. And, and they actually, many of them, were following Jesus and encouraging him and encouraged by him. We just read about altercations that happen as they go along, and I'll explain that today too. So in John 10, 37... This, this is a point where some Pharisees are coming against him. This is what Jesus says to them. He says, do not believe me or who I say I am, the Messiah, unless I do the works of my Father. What he means there is that I'm going to do the things you say only God himself can do. He even says it in verse 38. But if I do them, even though you don't believe me, believe the 
works, these four miracles, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am the Father. Clearest way it can be stated is he's saying, I am the Messiah. You don't have to believe, take my word for it. Let the works and the actions that I do prove it to you. Okay, So Jesus isn't afraid to say, I'm, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I'm not just going to talk the talk, but I'm going to walk the walk. Okay, And so, so Jesus lays it right out. And, and so here we go. We're going to start with miracle number one. Everybody say number one. <laughs> Healing someone of leprosy. Okay, This is something that the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the rabbis, these people, they could not do. They, there was no recorded uh, any history of them ever doing it, ever. Okay, And so we, uh, we know that there's stories in multiple places where Jesus does it. But uh, leprosy was believed uh, to be inflicted by God himself. In fact, it was believed that the reason people got leprosy back then, by the way, leprosy is uh, a disease where uh, sometimes there would be boils or lesions on their skin, but really what it was is, is it's a disease that ruins the nerve endings in, in people's uh, extremities, starts with their extremities, and what happens is they work with their hands and they look very disfigured because they would have no feeling in their hands or their feet or their ears or their nose, and they would... They would have accidents and they would lose parts of their body and they wouldn't even know it. Okay, so it was pretty gruesome, pretty horrible, and and it was uh, it was also like I said, there were boils or lesions or their skin would turn white and ashy and and so it was an obvious thing when somebody had leprosy, and so they believed that that only God Himself would inflict it and that it was only afflict, inflicted upon people who were sinners. Okay, that they they believed the reason that people got leprosy, this is all through the Old Testament, this is what they believed was because they were sinners. And they actually called leprosy back then the finger of God. Okay, So it was inflicted by God. Um, in fact, if you had leprosy back then, you were not even allowed in the city. You had to stay outside the city walls. Um, you had to stand downwind of people all the time so that because your flesh would be rotting and horrible. And so people didn't want to smell it. They didn't want to come in contact with it. When people would approach, when they'd be like walking outside the walls of the city, you know, maybe going from city to city, and, and someone who had leprosy would see somebody who didn't, they would have to like wave around, jump up and down and say, unclean, 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 to make sure that those clean people didn't come anywhere close. They could never approach, never come close to, to anybody with leprosy or, or vice versa. If they had leprosy, they couldn't go to somebody who was clean. It was, it was, just, it was just you could not come close to them at all costs. Okay. The reason... They believed it was inflicted only by God was because of three distinct instances we read about leprosy in the Old Testament. The first one is Moses. Everybody say Moses. Okay. So you remember when Moses says, I, I'm not good enough, God. I can't go to Pharaoh in Egypt. I cannot. I, I, don't, I don't speak well. I can't do it. You remember what God says? He says, Moses, put your hand inside your cloak. Remember? And he pulls it and then he says, now take it out. He takes it out and he's got leprosy on his arm. And it says his skin is, in fact, here we'll read it. It says in Exodus 4, 6 through 7, it says, Then the Lord said, Put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become white as snow, ashy. And then verse 7, it says, But, but and now put it back in your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. So only God could inflict it, and only God could heal it, right? So this is example number one. 
Example number two is Miriam, Moses' sister. Uh, she was inflicted or afflicted with leprosy by God as a punishment for speaking out against Moses. Okay, so the Bible's clear in Numbers 12, 14, 15 that, that God gave her leprosy because she was speaking out against his, his chosen person. So in that case, Moses asked the Lord to heal her, and the Lord does it. Okay. In uh, number three is King Uzziah entered the holy place to unlawfully burn incense on the golden altar. So this guy goes into the temple without permission, without the Lord's blessing. And, uh, and so God gave him leprosy, and he died for it. He didn't get healed. Okay, so they, they have these three instances where people get leprosy, and, and it's all of those cases they believe are because those people had sinned. So good enough foundation for you at this point to understand where they're coming from? Okay, so, so because it was inflicted by God, the Jews believed that it could only be uh, taken away by God. So now the groundwork's been laid. Let's look at what happened with Jesus. So here's the story. It's found in the book of Mark. Why don't you read along with me on the screen? Mark 1, uh, verse 40 through 50. It says this. A man with leprosy uh, came to him and begged him on his knees. He said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Verse 41, Jesus was indignant. A lot of versions of the Bible say filled with compassion. That's basically what happened. It says he reached out his hand and he what? He touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Verse 42, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. He said, see that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Verse 45, listen. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news to everyone. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly. This is important to notice. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places, yet the people still came to him from everywhere. So there's a few things I want to point out that happened here uh, in this interaction. And so these are, these are your notes here. Number one that, that happened here is Jesus welcomed a man who was unclean. This might not seem like a huge deal, but it's a huge deal. I already stated that people with leprosy could not even come close to somebody who was clean. So the fact that this man approached Jesus, this guy broke the law in the first place. I mean, he is not worthy to be around a clean person. He's a sinner. He shouldn't even be close to him. He shouldn't be around him. And, and so, so he's breaking all the rules. And and yet Jesus doesn't run away. He doesn't say, get away from me, you unclean, or you sinner, or, or anything like that. He doesn't look down upon this man. Instead, he, he welcomes him. He says, it's okay. This is a great example of, of the way that Jesus is in our salvation. He welcomes us even while we're sinners, right? Right? Even when we don't deserve it. Even though we deserve to be far away from God. Even though our sin is so bad that, that it's probably glaringly obvious to him that we're going, unclean, unclean, I am not worthy of you. Yet Jesus, both literally with the man with leprosy and with all of us, welcomes us and doesn't run away. Jesus even makes this statement in Matthew eleven twenty eight. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus is saying, come to me no matter where you're at. 
And he lives it when the man who's unclean, who has leprosy, comes to him. So Jesus welcomes the unclean. And number two that happens in the scripture is, that, is this. Jesus connects with the man's problems. In that, in that story, it says in verse 41, Jesus was filled with compassion. He reached out his hand and he touched the man. Everybody say touched. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus breaks all the rules. He breaks all the rules. You're not, like, just like a person with leprosy can't come close to somebody who's clean, a clean person cannot touch them. You don't want to be associated with them. And when you touch them, then you are now considered unclean. This is important. Because what Jesus did when he went to the cross is he carried all of our uncleanliness with him. This is, this is amazing because this story of the leper is perfect foreshadowing to what he's done for every one of us. We are the lepers. Say, I am a leper. <laughs> we are the lepers. We are the ones who are unclean. We don't deserve help. We shouldn't even be in the presence of God. But he allows us in, in his presence. And not only that, he reaches out to us and he says, I will carry your burden as well. This is, to me, this is powerful. This should be powerful to you. This is an illness this person was supposed to carry alone in solitude and die. Pretty crazy par parallel, isn't it? I think it's cool. Um, and in the last part of the encounter, Jesus makes a statement. This is number three. Jesus draws the attention of the religious leaders. He draws the attention of the re religious leaders. And... Uh, in, in Mark 1, verse 43, this is what happens. And, and, and just follow along with me. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. And he said this, See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Now, what is that talking about? Like going to, the, going to the priest. Well, remember, Moses had leprosy, but then it was taken away by God. But then Miriam, his sister, had leprosy. And when, when Moses went to God and he said, God, God, take this away from her. And God does it. Then Moses instructs her to go and to, to go to the temple and to perform a sacrifice and do all of this stuff. Um, to, to, to give thanks to God that he is good. How many know that God is good, right? And that... that that even though she didn't deserve to be forgiven and not have leprosy, that he did it anyway, and that she needed to go through a process of saying thank you. So in the same way, Jesus does a couple things here. He teaches us that our focus after having life change from Jesus should be to live a life of thanksgiving to God. Thanksgiving's this week. That wasn't planned. It was good, though. We need to live a life of thanksgiving to God. And what he does is he sends the person who is healed of leprosy to exactly the place they're not supposed to go, all the way into the city, to the temple, in front of the religious leaders. This is cool. Before this miracle, you don't read of any miracles where there's Pharisees following Jesus around. This was the first one he, he made. Remember what I said? The Pharisees were looking for the Messiah. And anytime 
historically, when anybody would perform or the rumor spread that anyone would perform any one of the miracles, the Pharisees would flock to that person and then follow them around everywhere that they went because they'd want to see if he would then perform another miracle and then maybe another miracle and then they go, maybe this is the Messiah, right? So this is the attention grabber that Jesus has for all of the region. So people here are going to hear Everybody's going to hear that, that Jesus healed a leper, number one, miracle number one. And they would hear that, and, the, and then the Pharisees, they get on the phone with each other. They're like, we got to go see this Jesus, right? And so they all get, get going. And then from this moment on, you see that the Pharisees are everywhere that Jesus is. Every single time he, makes, he does a miracle. And, and so the other thing is, is that the guy doesn't shut his mouth like Jesus says. He just walks through the city going, look, I'm clean, right? And he, he doesn't say, I'm unclean. He goes, I'm clean. He runs through the city telling every person he comes and comes, I'm clean. I'm clean. I'm clean. Everybody say, I'm clean. Okay, so if you have Jesus in your life, you no longer are unclean, but you're clean, right? And so he goes and tells everybody, and it gets so crazy that now Jesus has to hide if he wants some quiet time. Because people are so excited that the Messiah is possibly coming. At this point, nobody's upset. There's no Pharisees coming against him. Nobody's saying, hey, we don't like this guy. None of that. Everybody wants to see Jesus. You know, that's what we want to see here in Big Rapids, surrounding area. What well, my dream is, is that everybody would want to see Jesus. That everybody would want to come in contact with somebody who could take their uncleanliness, their unworthiness, and cleanse them of that so they can run around and say, look at, look at what's happened in my life because of Jesus. You've got people in your family. You've got friends who need to know Jesus. And your hope and dream is that someday they would, they would come to Thanksgiving and go, look what Jesus did in my life. Look at, look at the transformation that's happened, not because of me, but because of Jesus. See, Jesus was ready for the attention. He, he got the Holy Spirit, like we talked about a couple weeks ago when he was baptized and all of that had happened. He'd wandered through the wilderness, been tempted, been through some things, and now he's ready. And at some point, it's got to start. The attention had to, had to come so that, so that the people of the area would know that he is God, that he is the Messiah. And he does it. He starts it all by healing a man in the way that he heals every one of us. I think that's pretty cool. But, but this is the thing that I think gets me. When we talk about salvation, we talk about asking Jesus into our heart and all these different things. We read that scripture, Romans 10, 9 and 10. It says, you know, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that he rose from the dead, that we'll be saved. That, if we, that it's with your heart that you believe and you're justified and it's your, with your mouth that you profess your faith. You, know, you go out and you share the, new, the good news. So for so many of us in this room today, we've had the moment of going from unclean to clean. So why aren't we out there proclaiming Jesus' name? I mean, this guy, Jesus himself said, don't say anything to anybody. Just walk straight face to the temple, right? And he's like, he can't contain himself. I'm clean. I'm clean. I'm clean. Hey, I'm clean. I got to imagine, like, if, 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 you, if it was you 
and your family lived in that town, you would try to take whatever route to the temple you had to to see every person in your family and knock on every door. Like, check it out, I'm clean, I'm clean. And they're like, get away. No, I'm clean, look at me. Look at me, everything's changed. And then you'd run, you'd, you'd do like a circle around the whole city to every person you know. And then get to the temple and do what, what had to be done. Like, why are we keeping Christ a secret? Why? Because if, if you had transformation in your life, it's something everybody needs to know. You have a chance this week at Thanksgiving with your family. You're going to have a chance in a couple weeks to invite people to a Christmas service where they can meet Jesus. You're going to have a chance every day to share with people about what Jesus has done in your life. If you, instead of, or if you started looking at every interaction with every person as a chance to share Jesus, can you imagine how many people you share Jesus with? you imagine how many people in the long run would come to know Jesus because you were willing to profess your faith? I want to be like the leper. I mean, I don't want leprosy. <laughs> but I want to be like the leper, and I want to be the kind of guy that goes out, and, and when, when people interact with me, they go, wow. I love, I love the testimony we had today because when he walked in here for the first time about a year ago, a year and a half ago, that was the first thing he started doing, was telling me, telling me a story about how God changed his life. And I was like, I like this guy. <laughs> I can get behind this story. I can get behind this. If God's changed your life, let's go around and let people know about it, okay? Look at that. I just made it applicable to life. I understand that, and I can do that, right? I didn't even mean to do it. That's great. And I'm short. I'm early. We're out of here ahead of time. I'm looking forward to the next couple weeks, and each one of these miracles is really powerful. But remember, this whole season is a chance for us to bring attention to the, to the real God, the real reason for the season, the one who changes lives, who changes, I like the way Pastor Keith says, it changes and rearranges lives, right, and can make a difference for every person that you know. So let's be people who shout it from the rooftops that Jesus is the Messiah. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for every person that's here. And I thank you for your word. And Lord, I thank you that, that Jesus is so clear when he says right at the beginning, I'm going to prove to you that I'm the Messiah, that I am who I say I am, that I am the Son of God, that I am the Savior. And so God, I just pray that over the next few weeks, as we look into these miracles and the things that Jesus did that prove he is who he says he is, Lord, that it will help build our faith and help give us boldness to reach out and to, to share his love with other people. And Lord, let us not be silent about our faith. Let us not be silent about what Jesus has done in our lives. Let us be like the leprous man who was healed, running through the city, letting everyone know what a great God you are. With everybody's eyes closed, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, and as I'm sharing this story about how Jesus changed the life of the leprous man and how he wants to change your life, you're going, I want that in my life. I need that in my life. If that's you today and you want Jesus to be Lord of your life and you want to begin this, this transformation from unclean to clean, from sinful to Godful in your life, 
I want to give you that opportunity right now. So if that's you, you want to make Jesus Lord and start this life with him, right where you're at, just lift your hand up. Is there anybody who wants to make Jesus Lord in service? Awesome. 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 As well, if you're watching online today, it doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter that you're not in the room today. Jesus can meet you there. So we're going to say a prayer together. And if you raise your hand, if you raise your hand today, sorry, in your heart today, believing that Jesus is Lord, we're going to confess with our mouth and we're going to declare it today. But it's the hard part that matters. It's the, it's the part that you say right here in your heart that, that this is it. He, he's the Lord and I believe it every day and I'm going to let everybody know. So let's, let's pray together to get today. Repeat this after me. Say, Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross, defeat the grave, and to rise again so that I could be saved. I was a sinner and I've struggled with sin, but today I'm different. I'm a new creation. I'm a child of God, redeemed, remastered, remade, and made clean. Today I choose to make you Lord of my life and to live for you from this day on, lead me into the life you created for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thanks again for tuning in today. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can check us out online at rlcbr.org. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast in the iTunes store or your podcast feed. We love you, and remember to always reach up, reach in, and reach out. Have a great week.